0: China. China. Yo, yo, this is hey, Justin yeah. Bieber. Hey, hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just interviews, a Zach Sang show, exclusive podcast. Westwood One, two chairs, and a microphone. Paul McCurio. we just watched your set on uh, Stephen Colbert. You killed it,
1: beautifully, Thanks,
0: man. beautifully done. You and Stephen, I mean, you guys go way back.
1: Yeah, we worked on the Daily Show together, and uh, we, um, you know, we just, you know, kind of hit it off, and we would write together and stuff like that, and you know that, that-, that- it was really fun doing that show, you know, you could kind of push the envelope, you know, like, and then we'd get in trouble for it, like, you know, when your dad yells at you for doing something stupid, but, like, he's also proud of you at the same time, it was that (laughs) kind of thing, you know, and, uh, like, one time, you know, they were, like, closing down all the porn shops in Times Square and putting up, like, Stores like Disney and whatnot, and so we did a field piece about, like, we called it the Disneyfication of Times Square, and uh, we went into a, a store, a Disney store. I don't know what I can say here on radio, but you can bleep it if you want, but uh, I, I, we basically went in and we said, this may look like a Disney store and there's no longer porn, but yeah. is it really? And then uh, we just, like, grab any random doll, like, innocent little kid's doll and go, this is a dildo. Dildo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: and, and we did it like... It, the, the word ended up in the piece, like a three-minute field piece, like ten times, twelve times, wow. and and the the, net, the the guy running the network looked at it and he used to like starts screaming, "You can't say that word so much in a field piece!" We're like, "Well, we didn't know there was a rule how many times." Ta- yeah, you can how many times? Six. You can say it six times. We're like what? So we call him Six Dildo Doug. That's the guy's nickname now, right? But it was really cool. It, it still is, you know, working on the show with the Stephen on the late show with Stephen Colbert it's sort of a continuation of it and at least like in the first act or two where we kind of do a lot of topical political stuff yeah and um yeah it's been it's been pretty surreal i mean i initially took the job on the daily show figuring it would last like 3 months and then it get canceled like every other show and i'd have a credit you know and then it <laughs> turns into this thing it was crazy
0: I mean, it, it really did. I mean, beyond a thing. It is historic. It is legendary. I mean, so much so that the other shows really that have come in to replace Stephen and to go, uh, re- replace John, I mean, they haven't really lived up. I mean, the bar was set so high. What do you, uh, what do you think of late night right now on Comedy Central when it comes to, you know, uh, whether it's Larry Wilmore or Trevor Noah?
1: Well, listen, Zach, I think it's clear that the missing link is me. Obviously. I'm not associated with these shows. They tank. It's not John Stewart. He's just a tiny Jew who drinks a lot. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, no, you know, I always said about John. I always said about John. I could say that now. I'm not going to get fired. There's no more show. I don't care. No. Um, he is tiny. You can actually, you know those little uh, dog bags you take on the airplane? That's what they carry him around in. It's adorable. Um and uh, he's a Jersey guy. You're a yeah. Jersey guy, right? I am. Aren't you New Jersey. Jersey?
0: Hell yeah, dude. Go. Yeah, where are you? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you from? Hold on, I just had this information.
1: I'm from Providence, Rhode Island, originally.
0: Dude, Pro FM, baby. That oh, a, you know Pro FM. What there an iconic go. radio
1: station up there, of course. Absolutely, man. And uh, I'm actually going back up there at the end of the uh, month. I'm working at the Comedy Connection up there. So yeah, that's my old stomping ground. And and I'm like like from a super Italian like neighborhood and everything yeah. like this. You know, a lot of Italians in Jersey. It's funny, like, oh, when, yeah. when people hear, like, you're Italian, they'll always, like, they'll like, they'll tell you how you're doing. They'll, like, they'll talk to you like that, and they <laughs> assume that, like, you're in the mob, and they assume that uh, somebody said, like, you have, like, plastic on your furniture. And I'm like, actually, no, our house was, like, the complete opposite of that. Like, oh, lucky. it was It was a site growing up. Like, someone broke into my mother's house one time. Like, I was in high school, and I run out to get something. I literally was gone, like, ten minutes. They broke in. And they took, like, the stereo. They were, like, in and out. They, didn't, they had no time to, like, touch anything else. Like, they, literally five minutes. Is it because they and couldn't a find anything? Take a, what's that?
0: No, you go, you go.
1: Yeah, no, I was just saying a cop here to take a police report. And he was standing in the middle of the living room and he just surveys the living room and he goes, Oh my God, what kind of an animal would make a mess like this? And he, <laughs> thought, he thought the guy ransacked the house. That's how bad it was. <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, the guy was crazy. He threw a bra on the lampshade. He left salami out all day. He was nuts. <laughs> where, where do you uh,
0: cut the podcast now? Where in the country?
1: Um, I do it out in New York, but a lot of my guests are. You know, you try to get some really good names, and you know, you get them when you can get them. Yeah. And so, a lot of times, like I do it over Skype, you know, online, okay. you know, because you know, um, like I'm going to do Bradley Whitford uh, probably tomorrow, and he's in L.A., but he was here in New York at the at the show, and we wow. started talking, and so, but um, but yeah, and to go back to your question about the the late night thing, I always said to people about John Stewart, in all seriousness. You know, because the show existed before, John, for almost four years with Craig Hilborn, mm-hmm. but we were, the Daily Show was more scattershot, like we were doing jokes about pop culture and music and politics, and John said, let's focus it on politics, the media's coverage of politics, and he's just a really bright guy, and he, and he loves that stuff, and I always said to people, you're going to miss him more off-camera than you are on-camera. I mean, as good as he is on-camera, there's a lot of people who can be good on-camera in that role, but he was the editorial voice of the show, you know what I mean? And he he kind of knew what he wanted to say. And, you know, we all would sort of be able to do stuff with him and say stuff and obviously participate in that process. But, like, and Stephen, too. But, you know, Stephen with the Colbert Report, you know, that was nine years doing that character. And that's a hard thing to do because it's hard enough to, like, write comedy off of news. But then with that character, he had to put it through, like, a second filter. Yeah. And it gets, like, it gets hard to do that, you know. And then when he interviewed people, he had to stay in character. And so this came along. And, you know, it, I think it's, like, the best of both worlds for him, you know.
0: Do you feel like recently he's kind of had to channel uh, the Stephen Colbert character a little bit more? On late night? Well, I'll
1: tell you, uh, people want that. I know the audience wants it. Like, he did, he did, um, uh, we did, we did two, two weeks of live shows for the conventions, yeah. right? Which were great. Like 1130, like, it's so, like, you're in this iconic theater, the Ed Sullivan Theater with the Beatles played, and Elvis, and everything else, and, and, uh, it was just so juiced and amped, and then, um. But the, the audience wants what they like, right? Yeah. It's nine years of that, and he's, he's got a lot of followers that came over. And so he did, um, he did like his alternate twin or something like that was the premise, and he cool. came out as Stephen Colbert from the Colbert Report, and they went nuts. And then he did the word. You know, yeah, and they went absolutely berserk, and that's all people were talking about the next day and Then <laughs> comedy Central called c b s legal department and said, "You can't do the word, it's copyright comedy central wow. stuff. so <laughs> so now, if we do it, we did it the other day, and it's called the word, but it's w e r d and he's not flicking his hair back as much, like so it's like a couple of tweaks to pass the legal whatever, but um, That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I you know I uh, you know I think Samantha B and John Oliver are great, and I you know I think what Stephen's doing is great. Wait, I wait. think that they kind of still capture a lot of what's going on, and this is like. This is like a softball over the plate. This election season is insane, right? Like, well, yeah. Balls.
0: Well, that to me is why I, I kind of think it's crazy that, you know, a show on Comedy Central is not doing better than, you know, the ones in the past. I mean, the content and the... the, the I mean, gosh, y- it's a constant flow. There's material well, like, everywhere.
1: It, yeah, I mean, and literally people off the street are funny with it. Like, yeah. it, I, I know. I know exactly. Like, you you, you. This could not have... This is the reason John left when he left. Like, we had been through four election cycles going back to 2000. Wow. So it was like, you know, I've done this. Like, let's the next person come in and let me give him this. This is like, you know, this is the Super Bowl for us, right? For mm-hmm. Those kind of shows. It doesn't get any better than this, right? Especially in the summer months when slow Super Bowl cycles. So this is like, this person will be able to really sink his teeth into some meat. And there is meat there. But, I mean, you I mean, look at this. I mean, just just... I mean, I always say about Trump, like, just pretend like you want to try to know something. His arrogance is the thing that gets me, okay, he's racist, this and that, but, like, it's like, who, like, wants to be president, and then when you ask him if he knows anything, he gets pissed at you and then right. accuses you of being a liberal-biased media, like... Like, that's like you get racked up in a car accident, and you end up in an emergency room and Trump's your doctor, and he's looking at you and goes, what's all that red stuff in the body? And they're like, well, that's blood, Doc. What is... What, what's the thing that... That's a heart. What does the heart do? Well, don't you think that you're a doctor? You should know, mister. Why are you attacking me? Are you the liberal media? Like, like who? who operates like that, right? And and so with all of that, I, you're right. I think there could be more going on there, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know why they're not able to hit it.
0: Is a part of you like a little disappointed when you, you when you look at Comedy Central's decision with Larry and with Noah, because you had people like John Oliver and you had people like Samantha B under that Comedy Central umbrella that are now going on and killing it. I mean, they're 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 going in the opposite direction that both Trevor and Larry have gone, and they were they were both over there at one point.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, look, I mean, hindsight's 20-20 and Larry was good on our show and you thought, okay, you know, and the idea of it was, I mean, look, the reality is with digital, di- you know, a lot of people can thank digital for jobs and TV because, yeah. like, digital erodes the ratings of all the networks now, right? So they're all scrambling for new demographics and new, and and I think part of the idea was with Comedy Central, which tends to be a pretty white network for the most part. Like, let's do a show centered on minorities, minority issues with minorities. It'll be A, unique, and from a content standpoint, but also from a business standpoint, it'll drag, you know, viewers in that we yeah. normally wouldn't get. So I, on paper, it's a good idea, and Larry seemed okay, and then I don't know, like, I, I'm with you, like, I was like, wh- I don't know why it w- couldn't work, and I know they tried a lot of different things with the panel and stuff, yeah. and I knew people that worked on the show, and then... Trevor, I didn't really know that well. Like, it kind of was like out of the blue, and I know that he yeah. talked about some social stuff in his act, but like, you can't like just because somebody talks about that stuff in their act doesn't mean you give them a show. You know what I yes, mean? Yes, like, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> y- 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 that doesn't warrant a show. It doesn't mean that they live it, they know it. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Or or and then you if you really listen to what they say, they gotta really have. An insight where you go, "Oh wow, OK, like a Carlin or a Richard Pryor, or a John Stewart where you go like, "Wow, okay, everybody's talking about Trump, or everybody's talking about Hillary, or everybody's talking about NAFTA, but the, that person is doing it in a way that I hadn't thought about it that way before. And that's the difference between good and great. That's the difference between uh, you know my my uncle and my mother getting a show and somebody who really should have a show right like everybody's got an opinion about stuff but that doesn't mean you get a show out of it right so it's sort of like i don't know you know but i guess they saw something in him and i just think you know it's a lot he's a pretty young guy to take on i always say like you don't want to be the guy that gets that job after john you want the you want to be the guy after the guy exactly You know,
0: same thing in radio when the big yeah, like I don't want to
1: follow Zach. Sang there's no no way I want to be the guy after Zach. I'm not gonna. I'm not crazy. I know how this business works. (laughs) Do you think Hillary Clinton
0: has a body double?
1: Listen, she is a hot woman. (laughs) Do not. Go there. Do I think she has a body double? Yeah, I mean, That's because hilarious. she ha-
0: she, ha- she is sick recently. She has pneumonia. There's been major conspiracies going around that Hillary Clinton has been using a body double. And that it could be true. You don't know. House of Cards is very real, man. That's all I'm saying.
1: You know what? It's weird, because I live in an apartment building in New York City, and there is a, there's a housekeeper on the eighth floor that looks a lot like Hillary Clinton. Come on. It's really? <laughs> It's really weird, and she was coughing a lot on the elevator.
0: <laughs> That's where and, she's been and, hiding out.
1: And then something about my scumbag husband, Bill. She kept murmuring <laughs> that over and over again. <laughs> weird.
0: <laughs> you, you, as you look back and you, you look at the shows now, and, and you you're there with Stephen Wright on CBS. Is James Corden competition to you? Like when you watch James Corden's bits, what do you what do you think?
1: Um, you know, I I don't. I don't think I do, or anybody looks at it that way. I mean, I think you know, a part of it is like I think you know, people kind of in social media and the press kind of want to make something out of something that's not there. Of course, you have to understand, like his show has been up and running for a while, and you know, you have a show, and when you start a new show, the the only way I can liken it is like you're making the donuts and you're making the machine that makes the donuts at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. And (laughs) and it's not like. You know, the art of this, like what you're doing, you're really, really good at what you do. Heather, eh, not so much, but (laughs) the the rest of you. No, I'm kidding. I'll take it. (laughs) No, um... You know, you make this seem easy. You're obviously a really good interviewer. You you. you did research. By the way, thank you for even, like, reading my stuff. I I do radio all over the country. I was in Baltimore performing, and I went on the air with this woman who was, like, 100, and she had these reading glasses on. And she literally, like, you know, like, I worked on, I was a lawyer, and I left to be a comedian, and blah, blah, blah. It's kind of a a story. And she literally, I don't know if you can hear this, but as we're on here, she's doing this with paper going, oh, oh, I see you were a lawyer. Very, like, as I'm sitting there, I'm like, really? Like, I should just give you a lap dance and leave. This is a complete waste of everybody's time. (laughs) Um, Literally local radio in a
0: nutshell, by the way. You know, like, that's a beautiful way to describe it.
1: Oh, God, if the story, I'm sure the stories we could share oh. unbelievable. I worked. I did a guy who I still hate to say His name is Johnny Dare. If he's still on the air, he shouldn't be. The biggest scumbag. <laughs> yeah, call me up, scumbag. He's in uh, Kansas City. Somebody described him as that area's Howard Stern. When anybody says that to you, you know the guy's terrible. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> Ponytail, acne at 40, like a mess, up and down, a mess dumb is a stump. Oh my god! Probably still—he's still doing like cocaine, like from the '80s. Like he's not even doing an updated drug. <laughs> anyway, please call me. Get my number from Zach. Yeah, I'll um, He—he
0: uh, he knows who we are, and I'm sure he doesn't like us because he is on in Kansas City. I just gave him a Google, uh, and yeah, we—the we, the competition. Well, you in know why he was—he was like—he was, like, was,
1: like, was a real jerk to me because a lot of times, like radio. Uh, hosts who yeah. are great at what they do. Also, some want to be comedians or think they are comedians, and that's fine. But, like, when you have a guest on, it's about letting the guest shine, you know, yeah. and everybody wins, right? <laughs> and, you you know, you'd be gracious and all that. And I went in, and the owner of the club said, oh, you t- I talk about race and, like, reverse racism and how, you know, yeah, it's hard to be minority, but, yeah. you know, white guys... And then he just tried to sandbag me on the air. He goes, "Well, man, you're really racist. And I remember, like, I go, what? And he goes, yeah, you're really – and this is supposed to be, like, an edgy Howard Stern show, right? And I wasn't going, like, out of the – and then I just was no. like uh, – anyway, I don't want to make this too much about him, but I just kind of – and my mind get said, you know what? I don't need to come back to Kansas City for my life or my career. And I just said – I just went after him on the air, and he was like, what? what? I go, well, no, you're really being a jerk. Like, why are you – I, Good. I got more blue than I, I and, and he, and then you, like, he got all, really red, and he, like, it would just got really awkward, and I said, well, you're just trying to sandbag sandbag me on the air. Is it because you're a frustrated comedian, and you can't pass an open mic? I think that's what I said to him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. um uh, so anyway, uh, I don't know what we were talking about. <laughs> I, I, I love found. it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know? Wait, what were we, what were we? T- oh, we were talking about James Corden, right?
1: J- oh yeah. So like, so his show's up and running. So you take this show, and I was saying, like your show, you make it look easy. It's not, and and like comedy shows, oh, it's just comedy, or like comedians, ah, oh, you just tells some jokes. There's a lot of work that goes into yeah. making a TV show. There's like 200 people on staff, and it's a different show. So you know. The show, any show takes time. Like, you look at The Daily Show in the beginning, and you're like, I don't think... You look back at it now, and you're like, I don't know how the show stayed on the air. Like, yeah. any show that you... You look at the very first year of Seinfeld. The oh, cadence is yeah. slower. The laughs are farther apart. They're not as strong. There's no chemistry between... If you don't give these shows a chance, they can blossom into their potential. So, so I think our show's gotten... Moved along, gotten really better. It started off on a good foot. I'm not being a political thing here. Like, I'm just giving you my honest thing. No, yeah. I don't think it's competition. I just think you know, James does his thing. He's less of a political show. I think Stephen wants that show to kind of be more of a kind of point of view, daily show-esque, whatever. Which uh, I show. think America needs,
0: by the way. Because I think that's what Stephen does give. He gives a really great sense of laughter and also education and sensibility. Yeah.
1: And here's what happens, though. like If you want... It's, it's how big do you want the tent to be, right? Like, yeah. So if you want to get as many people watching your show, what are you going to do? You're going to be as le- least divisive as possible, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to not really talk about politics. If you are, you're going to talk about both sides of the aisle. Or generally, you're going to do, like, sort of more just fun, kooky, sketchy yeah. stuff, right? And we certainly would do that, but... And I don't want to speak for Steven because it's his show, but I do think that when you're taking a tack that that show's taking and it obviously, you know, is left-leaning there's going to be Republicans who aren't going to watch that show, yeah. right? So, oh, yeah. Middle
0: America. Oh, yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to be like, where you, Like, and I go on all these shows as a commentator. I go on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and I tend to kind of just go by the issues. I'm not necessarily carrying pails of water for anybody. Probably lean a little more left and right, but like, but like they don't, all they're doing is talking points, right? Like I was on a panel on Fox and it was me and, three other people. And I don't know, Obama had said something like, you know, the Constitution is uh, an imperfect document, which it is. It was written to be an imperfect document, so it would be a living, breathing document that it could change over time, and as America changed, blah, blah, blah. And all the Republicans are like, oh my God, that's, he should be impeached. No president should talk about America, America, the flag, you should only... And there was one guy who was a black guy who said the Constitution is perfect as it's written? And on national TV, I just went, "What?" He goes, "What?" I go, "You of all people can't say as it was written, based on the original Constitution, you were three fifths a person. You're a torso sitting here right now." <laughs> <laughs> and, and and he looked at me like he he looked at me like what? And like I go, "You're black." He goes, "Oh yeah." He literally went, "Oh yeah."
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so. It, It gets so, like, nobody really wants to hear. So you could watch consistently the late show with Colbert and, like, you'll see a lot of digs at Hillary and the Democrats and stuff. But then people start to, but unless you say, like, 100% of the time something negative about the other side, the people on that side won't watch you. So, like, you have to 100% of the time be saying something bad about the Democrats or Republican, and same with the Democrats, like, it's just crazy, like, it's, there's no middle ground for people anymore.
0: Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Wait, you and Paul McCartney, tell me the story behind this interview, because we were actually listening to a clip of it the other day. Uh, Heather played it, I think it was yesterday or two days ago. How how did that happen? How'd you land that interview? I mean...
1: Well, you know, I'm a very important person. uh, (laughs)
0: He he barely barely speaks with Howard Stern, you know? I mean, like, he did a Howard interview, but he's turned down Howard before. You know, like, that's a big one.
1: Yeah, no, I... um, It's funny, because I kind of resisted doing a podcast initially, because a lot of people have one, especially comedians, and I'm like, you know what, I want to do one I really like I love interview shows. I've listened to them since I was a kid. My mom turned me on to Larry King when he was on, you know, uh, syndicated radio around the country. We used to listen to it late at night together and stuff. So I just always loved it. I'm, like, I'm gonna just talk to people in the way you do, you know, just about stuff and really get to know people. So then I started to look at who I knew, and I was like, oh, okay. So I had like Bob Costas and Sugar Ray Leonard and Neil deGrasse Tyson, who was awesome, and and all these people. And then one day, one day uh, uh, at the Colbert Report, McCartney was doing a special show, and he had just finished rehearsal, and I forgot that he was even there, and I was running down, and I round the corner, and standing in the hallway, all alone leaning against the wall with like with his arms folded like you see somebody waiting for a bus like leaning against the wall with one shoulder is paul mccartney chewing gum like all alone like and he had a little colbert t-shirt on tucked in with his belt he looked like a he was so like adorable right and, but he's all alone like he it was like not a manager nothing it was just him alone in the hallway and i'm like so first so like i'm freaked out on two levels like my whole world slows down i'm like oh my god it's paul mccartney right <laughs> And I'm like, well, should I say hi? Should I not say hi? And I try not to bother people who are that big a star, but I'm like, first of all, it's Paul McCartney. I'm never going to get this chance again. And secondly, he's alone in a hallway. He's like a gazelle on the Serengeti plains. I'm going to pounce. I'm going to go for it. (laughs) So I start talking to the guy, and all I do is I go up and I say, hi, it's nice to meet you. Um, I'm a huge fan. And I start to walk away. He goes, hey, hang on, man. He goes, what's your name? I go, Paul. He goes, oh, Paul. He goes, that's a good name. I'm hmm. like, I'll do the jokes, all right? Just back off. You <laughs> play your little love-me-do and let me have my moment. No. He goes, what do you do? I go, I'm a stand-up. He goes, oh, I love stand-up. He starts talking to me about, like, comics that he, you know, love, Richard yeah. Pryor, blah, blah, blah. And then... uh and as I'm talking to him, I'm waiting for someone to come over and tase me for even talking to the guy, right? <laughs> and nobody, nothing. And people are walking by me like, oh, Paul knows Paul McCartney. Like, <laughs> I don't, right? And as I'm talking to him, I'm getting closer and closer to his face, like the creepy close talker guy. Because he's iconic, right? You're like, you only see him in images. And he's got, like... I was so close, like, I could have cleaned, like, ticks off his eyebrows like, <laughs> <eight>, on the <laughs> Discovery Channel. So I... Then I say, look, I'm just going to, just like 10 minutes, I'm going to just leave the guy. I say, bye. I go into the bathroom, uh, I start hyperventilating, and then I think, because I'm delusional, Paul McCartney should do my podcast. Like, that's <laughs> what I think, right?
0: Obvious next step.
1: Yeah. So I go back and I knock on the dressing room door and I said, I know this is crazy, but would you do my podcast? And he goes, yeah, sure. Just like that. Like wow. that fat. Yeah. Right. Now, you know, like when you were in, I don't know, high well, school I, or whatever. I would think
0: your- he's lying to you. Do you know what I mean? Like he said, that's yeah. That's exactly it- he that says yes, really but nobody really w- wants. It. It's like inviting people to my house that I don't really like, but I'm saying it to be nice. Oh, you should come over sometime, and then it's, like you know, years go by.
1: Exactly, exactly. And he's been doing this for over fifty years, and he seems like a very gentlemanly person. So he knows how to blow people off in a nice way, right? Oh yeah. And, and so, so I, but I'm stop. I'm now stunned, and he stops <laughs> me in my tracks because. I, I'm like that kid in high school who like uh you know, I thought I'm asking this hot chick out who's way above my pay grade and like I know she's gonna say no and then but I'll and then then she has, says yes and I don't have a plan and that was me. He goes, Yeah, sure and then he goes, How would we do it? And I literally am like and I'm not exaggerating, this is what I sound like. I'm like ah, ah, <laughs> ah, ah, I'll come to London and he like he's like, Why would we go to London? We're in New York together and then she said to me I know, I'm a a mess, he goes, and then he goes, is it easy to do? And I literally said to Paul McCartney, like, just Paul McCartney, right? doesn't get bigger than that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know, it's really easy, I know you're really busy, I don't want to bother you. You could do it on your phone, naked from your toilet. I'm like, what am I saying? I know, I know. I was (laughs) screwing it up. (laughs) Jesus. So I'm literally like, listen, I'll tell you what, I'll leave you alone. I'll go talk to your assistant, and I'll try to arrange a phone call. He goes, no, no, no. This was the mind blow right here. He goes, he goes. they're going to just screw it up. He goes, you and I will do it. I go, what do you mean? He goes, you and I, let's just exchange numbers, and we'll just set it up ourselves. Jesus. What? I know. I know. Now I'm thinking the guy wants to sleep with me, because I'm kind of cute. You know. <laughs> but that's good. You
0: should want that. It's really flattering. And would you? Come on.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Paul <laughs> yeah. McCartney. I was gonna Come say, like th- Yeah,
0: this is not the time to like you know pull that straight nonsense. i okay? no, I
1: sleep with John Lennon right now if you dug him out of the <laughs> ground. <I'm not> <laughs> uh, so n- so now I'm I'm my hand is shaking as I'm handing him a post it with my phone number on it. to <laughs> Paul McCartney, all right? So this is all like within 15 minutes of like rounding the corner. Like I'm gonna go get a coke. I was literally going to the refrigerator in the studio to get a soda, <laughs> and now I'm like exchanging phone numbers with the biggest musician in the last 150 years. So now this goes back to what you said, Zach. I totally think I just got the most professional blow off. He's gonna throw my number away, whatever, right? Yeah. So I'm thank. I thank you. I leave. I do the show. He does the show. Now, The Daily Show and The Colbert Report taped two blocks away, so mm. now I had to get to The Daily Show for that taping. I'm packing up my backpack, and my phone rings, and I'm late, and I'm like, oh, I don't have the time, and I don't recognize the number, and I let it ring the voicemail, <gasps> oh. and he leaves me a voice message, which I think you have if you want to play it. Hi, hey Paul. It's Paul McCartney here. Um, I'm going to ring you back in five minutes to do the podcast thing. I've got some time now. Otherwise, I'm going to run out of time. So if you're there in five minutes' time, you call me. Okay, bye. Wow. Wow. Heather, you want to sleep with me now? Come on! <laughs> I do.
0: <laughs> Wait, so, so he gives you five minutes to put together a podcast now, right. right? You
1: have to understand, right? So now I'm at the corner of 52nd Street and 11th Avenue with my backpack on, and I'm listening to this message. And you know when you see, like... And I'm not making fun of them, but, you know, people with mental issues and they're homeless and they're kind of talking to themselves. That's yeah. what I look like. This is what you saw from afar. Me screaming into the phone. Damn it! Damn it! Paul McCartney! Screen call! Oh! Oh, this sucks! Like, it had, like you didn't, right? So now I'm like, it, the chances of him calling me were like one in a gazillion. The chances that I'm going to call him back are yeah. one in two gazillion, right? Yeah. So I call him back. Hello, Paul. And he picks up the phone. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm like, hey, how's it going? Like, I'm totally like (laughs) the girl called me back and I don't know what to say. I'm like, so, yeah. Now, I totally B.S. him because he said to me, would you be ready right away to do it? I'm like, yeah. And I wasn't ready right away. My studio was in L.A. at the time. I had nothing set up. So he goes, I go, yeah, I can. Yeah, no problem. He goes, "Uh, I'm ready now. I go, okay, listen, let me just, I'm outside. Let me get into the studio there at The Daily Show, and I'll call you right back. So then I hang up my phone. I call the studio that does my podcast in L.A., and I go, listen, I need a line right away to record Paul McCartney. And this is what the producer on the other end said. "Uh, Yeah, there's no line available. There's somebody in the studio. And then I went, did you not hear me? (laughs) I said, I turned into this guy. Unless you have Jesus Christ in that studio, get him out and get me a line. I have Paul McCartney. The guy, like. Couldn't like it, didn't like register at all, right? I had to stall him for almost 30 minutes. I kept calling him back, going five more minutes, five more minutes. And then I finally was like, Look, I'm having a nervous breakdown. Can I just call you like in two days? He goes, No, no, man, I got a crazy schedule. I'm on tour. We got to do it now. And then I got the line and called him back. And then I get somebody else picks up the phone, and they're like, hold on, Paul's in the bathroom, he's just going to the bathroom. So now I'm picturing Paul McCartney on a toilet, chopping a a deuce, like, it was the most surreal, and I'm thinking, oh, it must must be the most amazing poop ever, he's a genius, you know? And uh, and then he got on the line, and we did it. Wow.
0: And have you talked to him since?
1: Yeah, a couple of times. I try, I mean, I have the ability to reach out to him, but I don't want to abuse it, so I... I don't do it a lot. And I was told that the reason he probably said yes to me was because when I talked to him in the hallway, I never asked him for an autograph. I didn't treat him like a big star. I didn't ask him to take a picture. I didn't ask him about John and the Beatles. We literally talked about uh, growing up and kids and hobbies and traveling and wives and that. Like, we talked like two guys, like, in line at Starbucks waiting to get coffee. Like, that was it. And that makes a world of a difference. Yeah, and i got to tell you, like, he couldn't have been nicer. I also think the fact that he grew up in the 60s and that era was all about, like, just being charitable and nice to people, Yeah, I think that's kind of in his DNA. Um, I mean, I've been big time, and I'm sure you have, too, by much smaller names than that. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, that's usually out of insecurity, like, that people blow you off, unless they're super, super busy, and I understand it. But he did not have to do my show. It was going to make one bit of difference in his life. And he was super nice. And the last thing I said to myself before I started the conversation was, you're not talking to Paul McCartney. You're just talking to a musician. Because I really am fascinated by, like, process and how people do what they do, like whether it's yeah. a musician or a plumber. I really am. And so I don't know how people hear music and write. And I don't have that ability. So, But I had to tell myself, like, essentially not to be a fan when I talk to him, you mm-hmm. know, because then it was going to turn into like that John Farley sketch where he, Chris Farley sketch where he would just be like <laughs> interviewing Paul McCartney like,
0: so, too, uh, too like Remember that. when you were in the Beatles? <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, super, super crazy. But yeah, it was, it was, um, it was also like, not patting myself on the back, but definitely like, if you don't ask, you never know. I figured the worst thing to do is say no, you know?
0: Yeah. No, incredible. Incredible. Paul, yeah. hey, thanks for giving a call in and really welcome to the Westwood One family. We're very happy and lucky to have you in your podcast. Two chairs yeah. and a microphone. When you're yeah. back in L.A., please come to the studio and hang out with us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I come in pretty regularly. I may be in in within the next month. I'll let you guys know. And um, we actually, the first press release just went out as we speak, so it's official. I'm on the Westward One Network, and this week my guest is Frank Caliendo, great comedian, and we've Mm -hmm. got other great stuff, as we mentioned. You know, anybody has got an interest in anything, whether it's sports or politics, uh, we got it, Christian Chenoweth. Don't call Steve Austin. It's it's across the board. So, and love to have you on sometime. Maybe when I come out there, we'll get together and we'll do some. We'll record for mine too and get you on.
0: Dude, I would love nothing more, Paul.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely. awesome, man. Thank you for taking thanks, the time. Man, thanks it for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, take care, guys. Bye. Bye. This podcast
0: is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.